finish um, kind of what we started. Old Testament, uh, one book, one week. Uh, as we enter into 2017, we have a couple of weeks, and I'd like to uh, wrap up um, the overview. And so I wanted to go to the book of Haggai um, today. And um, interesting, as you um, get opportunity to watch Scripture, work with Scripture, you get opportunity in your own personal life. There are times where God says, hey, I want you to do this. And you know that it's really clear and he gives you clear direction. And then you kind of go about life and you kind of get distracted. And, or you kind of get apathetic where, you know, Lord, I, I heard your voice, but, you know, right now I've got other things that are a priority in my life. And I really think I'm just going to allow those other things to become a priority in my life. And so you, here you are at a book of Haggai. Really, you should read it as you would think through Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, that kind of time frame in Scripture. I know it's nestled kind of back here in, in the end of your, your Old Testament. But it's really about the nation of Israel has been called by God to rebuild walls and go back and rebuild the temple. And now you've got a time frame that where they've been involved in this job uh, probably 15 years or so, maybe a little bit longer, 16 years, where 50,000 Jews have returned to the land and they've been called to rebuild a temple. But the problem is the temple's not a priority to them. The problem is, is they really don't have a desire to worship. The real truth of the matter is, is they're really worried about their own houses. So, Lord, we want to build our house first, and we'll give you the leftovers. Or maybe another way you could say it is, they, it's an opportunity for Haggai to speak to these people to reorder their priorities and complete the temple. It's not a priority for them. Or I guess another way you could look at it is a distraction shows a heart that is divided. Oh, see, they knew what they needed to do, but their hearts got distracted. It wasn't the main thing of their life. Or I guess you could phrase it another way, actions speak louder than words. Oh, you could say that we love you, God. We could say that we want to worship you, but then why don't you build the temple? You know, God didn't need a place for, for him to, to dwell in, but God wanted those people to have a place where they could gather to worship, where they could go and say, okay, Lord, we want to hear your voice. God, we want to gather as, as friends and family sitting next to each other in worship. See, they became apathetic. And 16 years later, there's going to be a prophet step onto the scene and say, hey, wait a second. You need to reevaluate your priorities. You need to stop talking so much, and you need to demonstrate with your actions that you're willing to build a temple. And so as you gather around this passage of Scripture, and you go through what you're going to see, and I'm going to go briefly, and I'm going to cover uh, three things uh, really quick. A call to uh, the construction of the temple. You're going to see a call to courage in the Lord, and you're going to see a call for cleanliness of life. And I'm basically using my Ryrie Study Bible as the outline, so I'm not, I don't want you to think I've, you know, got real clever and came up with all this alliterated stuff. I didn't. I just said, okay, this really kind of makes sense to me, and so I want to walk my way through it with you as a family. And what I find interesting is when he starts this book, he starts with the leadership. The voice of the Lord goes to three individuals, Haggai the prophet, Zerubbabel the civil leader, and Joshua the priest. And you can see that in chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. 
This is what the Lord of the Lord, word of the Lord said. Pick it up in verse 2. These people say, the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be rebuilt. Hey, leadership, the people are saying to me, it's not the right time to build the temple. It's not really what's the priority. We, we really need to take care of us first. And so, God, we know that this is what you want us to do, but we're going to build our house first. And so as you gathered uh, as a family, and I realize this is some Old Testament stuff, and I realize it's Old Testament history, and I realize that none of us have been called to go out in Highlands County and build a temple. But we have been called to build our temple. We have been called to say, wait a minute, Lord, are you speaking to me? Wait a minute. Is it time for your actions to speak louder than your words? I realize that most of you might wake up tomorrow morning, and as I think about leadership, I think about the homes, I think about dads, I think about moms. And we go and we'll read our Bible in the morning. You know what would be interesting? If our spouse came back to us 45 minutes later and says, why don't you act like what you just read? Why don't your actions model what you're saying to me is you've read, you spent time with your Bible, so act like it. Let's look like we know what we're talking about. I mean, it's easy to talk. Here I am, Lord. I'm here to worship. Yeah, it's nice. The air conditioning's not too too cold right now. I got my nice little seat where I'm sitting. I found my parking spot. Yeah, I'm here, Lord. It's all outside. Here I am to worship. Really? Are you really saying he's worthy this morning? Are we really? Let's don't, just don't play games. Because I know what we'll do is we'll have a tendency to say, look, these people are just lazy. Well, it's, it's easy to be apathetic. Oh, it's easy to be get our priorities not in the right spot. Yeah, it is looking back. But what is it going to be for you looking forward? What is your relationship with the Lord going to look like? Don't give me the words. I've heard the words. You show me the truth. You live it out in your lifestyle. You come face to face with this truth and say, okay, God, I want to hear your voice. So you've got a leadership thing, and really what's taking place is you have a distraction. And one day, in my old car, one day, when I see somebody texting, I'm just going to swerve over and bump them and say, sir, they just came in the wrong lane. They weren't paying attention anyway. And I don't know about you, but my, I get aggravated when people are driving and texting or driving and put their makeup on or doing whatever because they're, they're not paying attention. They're distracted. But how many of us are distracted in our relationship with Jesus? And here's kind of where it's going to get maybe a little bit personal. Go down to verse uh, 5. Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. See, they knew what they were supposed to do, but they didn't give it careful thought. Because careful thought normally leads to actions. Careful thought normally leads to, okay, Lord, if this is what you want me to do, build a temple. Okay, Lord, you've called me back here to build a temple. God, you've called me back here to set up a place so that we can worship as a family. That's what I'm here for. Then why are they building their houses? Why are they worried about where they're going to live? How do I know that is true? Check it out. Look in verse um, 6. 
you have planted much, but you've harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on your clothes, but they're worn out. Your earthly, your, um, you earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes. Word picture. You're working, but I'm not blessing. Because I'm not going to bless you unless you're going to be obedient to me. Why should I provide for you if you're saying over here, yeah, I love you, but you haven't do it. You're not doing what I've called you to do. Build the temple. Follow me. Be obedient to me. Sacrifice, energy, effort, build, work, do something. It's interesting as you think through this thought process. For me, it's interesting. When you say, give careful thought to your ways, set your hearts on his ways. That's what he was asking them to do. Not just your thought process, not just if it was convenient. And so I have, and I don't mean, well, I'll just show it to you then. I really think you need to think carefully about Scripture. Because I'm tired of living in a generation that people know what to say to me. But they don't live what they know. See, we live in a generation that we talk to or boo in the face and we do nothing about it. And so as you gather around this passage of Scripture, you need to give careful consideration to the Word of God. It's not just the Bible. It's not just something that should sit in your house and collect dust. It's truth. It's hope. It's life. It should be what we are fed on and by. Oh, I know you're busy. You know what's even sadder for me is I know you know Bible. But I'm not sure that we're challenging ourselves not only to know Bible, but to demonstrate Bible. I guess maybe as you are reminded, and I want, and obviously if you you know, for time, we can't do all this, but I want you to drop down in verse 12, and I want you to see something. Then uh, look at verse, um, where it's, look here, it says, where the high priest and the whole remnant of the, pe- the people obeyed the voice of the Lord, their God, and the message of their prophet Haggai. And then look at how, the, verse 13, and then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. What I don't know, why didn't they obey? Was it fear? Was it discouragement? Was it frustration? Was it laziness? Was it just, you know what, I just don't want to do this? Or maybe it was them just needed to be reminded that the I am was with them. Yeah, I've called you to a task, build a temple but I'm here with you. I've called you to a job, and you might not think it's important, or you might not think it's significant, or you might not think it's big enough, but I'm just telling you, this is what I want from you. Build the temple, and I will walk with you. 
And so now if you take Scripture and you think your way through it, just think about it. Okay, so they heard the word of the Lord. They're getting the chance to see, you know what, Lord? We're not being taken care of. Things aren't happening. Our stuff is wearing out. We're not being provided for. So maybe we just need to consider being obedient. Maybe we just need to say, you know what, Lord? We get it. We know that you're with us. Or maybe here's a thought. Priorities and obedience show your heart's temperature. What's your priorities? And I want you to be honest with yourself. We're really good at playing games at church. Let me ask you another question. What's your obedience like? It's it's in front of you. And so what's in front of you in, in just one chapter is, a, is an opportunity to see that, hey, these individuals were called to build a temple and they weren't doing their job. Here's the next thing you get a chance to see in chapter 2. I call it a courage in the Lord. I want you to drop down to verse verse 2. And I want you to read the word me, the words, as you look in your Bible. Mine, my Bible says, but now be strong. And I want you to stop there. Or it might say, take courage. I'm not sure what yours says. Now I want you to think about something with me. Haggai is not telling these people to go stand in front of a mirror and give themselves a speech that they're the ones that are going to do this. You and I do not get our strength from ourselves. This, is not, this life is not about you and I. It's not. What I know is all of us in this room need courage. We all need help. We all need strength. We all need hope. And I think... Not all of us, but I think the tendency is is to step back and say, okay, look, I can do this thing. I can handle this. I got this all figured out. And the tendency is, is to try to do life in your own strength. Now, I want you to go on with me. Drop down to the end of verse 4. Um... Be strong, all the people of the land, declares the Lord, and work for I am with you declares the Lord Almighty this is what I've coveted with you and when you came out of Egypt and my spirit remains among you do not fear where are they going to find their strength from the Lord from the I am that has been with them since Egypt So in their minds, it should go away from, okay, Lord, this isn't about me. This is about maybe an encourage from this perspective. It's about me and you together going in a direction of obedience. This is what you've called me to. This is your word to me. To to these people, rebuild the temple. To you, I don't know exactly what God's called you to. I know this, be courageous because you are called to be the light of the world. So walk in that. 
Walk in that with courage and strength and hope. Not in your own power, but because the I am is with you. He loves to be involved with the underdogs. He loves to be involved where he will get the praise. He will get the honor. He will get the glory. But he never helps anyone unless you ask. So maybe it's time for you to say, you know what? I'm asking. Because I need courage. Maybe it's time for you to stop and be reminded of just another passage of Scripture. Isaiah 40, verse 31. I really like to read it from from verse 29. He gives strength to the weary. He increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow but weary, they will walk and not be faint. Fear means that you've taken off the, taken your focus off the one who can help you and put it on the one who can't. And that's you. Maybe it's time for you to stop thinking that you can because you can't. And maybe it's time for you to say, He can. As I um, was listening and reading and, and just thinking about this morning, I was listening. Um, and I don't, I don't think the individual said it specifically like this, but this is another phrase. Uh, otherwise, I don't want to discredit somebody Um, But outside fear means the power of God on the inside needs some strengthening. Maybe it's time to strengthen the inside and forget about what's going on on the outside. We redo a devotion with, we're reading, um, devotion, Susan and I read, we have a devotion on New Morning Mercies that we read and and then we text about it and, and, um, and so we are reading this week, interesting, that God wants to transform you from the inside out. Transformation. How does he do it? Circumstances. What do you want? Change my circumstances. What does God want? Change your heart. He will never change your circumstances. He loves you too much. He won't. And so this morning, as you, as you think about a call to courage, Oh, it's not about you. It's not. For these people, it's about, okay, Lord, if this is the task, then I'll, I'll do it. I'll ask you for help. And if you read on verses 6 of chapter 2 down to 9, all of it belongs to the Lord anyway. All the gold, all the silver, all the people of the earth. He'll shake foundations if he wants to. It's all his. But he wants us to stop and say, okay, I'm asking you for help. Here I am. And I think maybe where it gets a little bit, another way you could put this, outside fear means that the power of God on the inside needs some strengthening. But I think here's where, here's where the rubber's really going to meet the road. It's this last thing. It's a call to cleanliness of life. Because let's just 
be honest with, with Haggai. Worship was not a priority. And so there was not a sense of holiness. There was not a sense of, you know what? I really think I need to obey what he's asking me to do. It was a sense of, well, Lord, we will fit you in when we want to fit you in. And so now Haggai is going to ask two questions. And um, you can read the two questions. I'm just going to kind of summarize these two questions. The first question is to ask, if you read on through there, is can you take something that is holy and touch something and make that holy? And Haggai's response is, no. And then he's going to ask another question. Can you take something, and, and, and in their culture it would be this, if I touch a dead body and I'm a Jew, then I'm considered unclean. And then if I go and touch somebody else, does that make somebody else unclean? And in that culture, it did. But what way I look at it is this. One bad apple messes up the whole bunch. So if, this one, if there's a group of individuals in Haggai saying, you know what, my house is really important, the temple's left over, it's affecting the whole group of people. Because sin does affect the whole group of people. Not just one. And so now, you're going to be asked, and he's going to ask these people... Go back over to verse 15. Now give careful thought to this from this day on. Consider how things were before one stone was laid on another in the Lord's temple. Give careful thought to the words. So what does that mean? I look at it as like this. Holiness is hard work and acting like a sinner is natural. What would have been hard work for them in Haggai? God, I'm not worried about my house. God, I want to build your temple. Because God, I want to gather there with my friends and I want to worship you and worship you alone. And that's going to be a priority and a passion of my life. So here, for you, will you set your wants and desires aside for holiness. And it won't come natural. And it will be extremely hard work. And I guess the question really is, is where's your heart? I mean, you know, you got three points. Under the first one, you could say priorities and obedience show your heart temperature. Under the second one, you could say outside fear means that the power of God on the inside needs some strengthening. And the last one, you could say holiness is hard work. Acting like a sinner becomes, is natural. Where are you this morning? Are you apathetic towards the things of God? Are you distracted? Is your temple holy? Is there any hunger in your temple besides where you're going to go eat after this? Is there any passion in your soul to say, you know, 
I really can't live without this food. I mean, just try it this week. How many days can you go without physical food compared to how many days you cannot read your Bible? How long would you last? How many days would you last without eating breakfast, without eating lunch, without eating supper? How many days would you last? And we're so arrogant to think that we can just say, well, I'll I'll give you one day a week. That's all I really deserve. Tonight, if you have a chance, hopefully we we won't all end up on this road, but I really think you all should go out to West Josephine and just stop your car and look up into the heavens and say, who am I compared to the heavens? And then say, okay, what do you want from my life? What are you afraid of? What are you discouraged from? What situation is too big? What area in your life does he really want to transform? It's easy to hear I am to worship. That's easy. The question will be, will you say, here I am, transform me. Here I am, I surrender. You should pray with me. Father, thank you for allowing us to gather around your word. But Father, may it not just be something that we gather on a Sunday morning. I don't know what's going on in your soul. I know most of you. I also know that there's a Holy Spirit with a still small voice that's speaking to you. But I don't know what He's asking from you. I don't know how He's encouraging you. I don't know how He's convicting you. I don't know what word he has for you. But my prayer is that you'll just say, I'm listening. I hear you. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak loudly enough that when we walk out of this building, we will stop and listen to your voice this afternoon and tomorrow morning. Whatever you're saying, whatever you want to do, So, Father, thank you for allowing to gather around a book, the Word of God. And I ask, Father, that we would think carefully about it. That it would become a priority of our life, not just in what we know, but in what we live. And, Father, if we are being apathetic or if we're being lazy in our holiness or if we need encouragement, come move in our family, I pray. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen.